0: of Curiosity Unveiled. I'm your host, Marie. Today, we're talking about the practical and emotional sides of money with financial coach, Sarah Rola. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to be here.
0: I think a lot of our listeners will be able to learn from our conversation because finances affect everyone, right? And... Unpacking money lessons from family is a significant aspect of your work. Could you share a personal experience or lesson from your own family that influenced your approach to money?
1: I think probably one of the more impactful memories that I can think of um, was, fortunately for me, a healthy beneficial lesson, which is not always the case. I grew up in kind of an upper middle class area and I would say we were definitely comfortable. All of our needs were met, you know, and had room for some extras, but we were probably a lot of my friends had more money. (laughs) And I remember coming home, I was at a friend's house and I think her dad dropped me off and he was driving a new BMW and I was telling my mom, oh he's got a really cool car, we should get one like that. And my mom said, oh, we can't afford that. And then she stopped and she corrected herself. And she said, you know, we probably could afford that. Like, it is probably technically capable that we could purchase that. But if we did that, then we wouldn't be able to do all of the other things that we choose to do. So that is just not something that I value enough to sacrifice in all of the other areas. For example, my family would take a lot of long vacations, but they would be like long car camping vacations. So they would be not particularly expensive, but, you know, they would be for a longer period of time. So my mom was explaining like that for us is a priority. We kind of organize our life around making sure that the things that are most important to us, we do have enough money for. And buying a new BMW is absolutely not a priority in the house that I grew up in. Um, So just that understanding of it's not necessarily whether we can technically afford it, but how are we choosing to use our money? And that has probably been a really impactful lesson that I learned at at a young age.
0: Every dollar counts. And I think, too, with evaluating how we use our money, is something that our culture does influence. Why do you think there is a cultural hesitancy to discuss finances openly and how
1: can we overcome it? That is a huge question. I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of things connected to that. I think there's a lot of ego connected to money. I think there's a lot of like self-worth, especially, I mean, because money is a numerical thing, you can quantify it so easily. so I think we have so much ego and self worth tied up in money, whether that's how much you earn, how much you have amassed in a nest egg or don't have how much credit card you have credit card debt you have all of these things are kind of quantifiable they are something that we are constantly comparing and evaluating to people around us although we don't typically know those actual real numbers so we're we're comparing the things that we see the kind of material um, you know what someone else is buying what someone else is seeming to be able to afford but I think it just speaks to such a um, intimate and vulnerable you know self-worth piece of it that it can be really uncomfortable to talk about it um and it can also be even if you yourself are comfortable talking about it it makes so many other people uncomfortable so I think we've learned that even if you're okay talking about it a lot of people are not going to be okay talking about it so it's best to just keep quiet I think is the cultural message
0: what have you personally seen when people do choose to talk about finances openly what power comes from being open with our finances
1: i think the biggest thing that i see is when we don't talk about it we create these really elaborate narratives often that are very kind of negative self-talk um specifically with like credit card debt for example I think a lot of people assume they're the only one in their life who has it and that what they're experiencing is unique to them and they've done something wrong. There's some moral failing that they've gotten themselves in this situation, or even if they don't have credit card debt, the fact that they don't have more saved for retirement, the fact that they're not further along, the fact that their income isn't as high as they would like it to be. So I think sharing with other people can be really helpful in understanding that, like, you are not alone. Your situation is not that unique. Um, You know, a lot of other people are having similar struggles. Or maybe they're having different struggles, but they're still struggling, even if it's, you know, a slightly different flavor from what you're struggling with. Um, And then I think the other thing that really you can really benefit from in sharing with other people is just learning from other people's wins and other people's struggles if you, you know, if your friend tells you about something that they did that really kind of moved the needle in their financial life, how cool would it be for you to learn that now rather than waiting 10 years to figure it out on your own? Or if someone has figured out, you know, they've they've struggled with something and you can learn from that as well, whatever it is, um, just learning from other people's stories. There's so many things that we learn from through stories from our friends I mean we talk about you know who we're dating and what that looks like and you know what are the red flags when you're dating but like we don't we don't benefit from other people's journey that much when it comes to money
0: oh definitely learning from other people can influence our choices I mean I remember my husband and I we weren't even it wasn't on the forefront on our minds to buy a home because we thought we couldn't afford afford it. We lived in a pretty expensive neighborhood in the Seattle area at the time, and we were like, oh, like, we can't afford it, and a friend casually mentioned that they got approved to buy a house, and so I was like, oh, maybe we should find out how much we can actually afford And I realized that we actually could afford a decent home in Washington and it opened my eyes. We didn't end up buying a home in Washington, but it opened my eyes because I realized, hey, I was putting it on us that we couldn't afford something when really we just needed to do the research to see what what we could get approved for, and it, and it was definitely eye-opening, and it gave me more confidence to make bigger financial decisions.
1: Yeah, that's a great example, because there's so many things that we come to conclusions on based on feelings, based on gut intuition that are not based in reality, and we just, hearing you say that, it made me think of so many clients' say something to the effect of like, oh, people like me don't insert whatever. And maybe it's based on how you were raised, where you came from, what kind of work you're in now, or just how you feel about yourself. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of kind of internalized messages that we take as fact without actually checking and verifying if that's actually real.
0: Yes, being in reality can really help us understand what we can do with our money you know I think when if we grew up in a home where maybe we had super frugal parents who never spent any money on anything that wasn't a necessity we might grow up and think that oh money is only for necessities or if we grew up in a home where maybe our parents were just spending money like it was water, (laughs) then we might have a different perspective. How can individuals identify and break unhelpful money habits that may be hindering their financial progress?
1: So I think just identifying what those messages that we received as a kid is the first and one of the most important steps again, because we don't talk about it, sometimes we don't realize just how vast the variety of different experiences people have when it comes to money, particularly, you know, as a kid growing up. We tend to assume that our experience was kind of the default standard normal money experience and that everyone has a similar perspective on it. And that when people make different decisions, we're baffled. Like, that doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? Well, it doesn't make sense based on the set of data that you were kind of programmed with, Um, but other people have different lived experiences, you know, whether they came from a scarcity or more of an abundant household, they're going to come to very different conclusions. Um, So with that, I think it's really helpful to try to understand what were the lessons that you learned about money as a kid. That could be explicit lessons, you know, where your parents sat you down and told you, you know, their perspectives on money that's not typically how it goes but sometimes you know there are parents who very intentionally pass on money lessons Mm -hmm. usually it's what are the things that you can remember your parents saying you know did they say money doesn't grow on trees did they say I don't know let's just buy it we'll figure it out later whatever they said those things are kind of internalized they are you know being repeated in your head, as you go and make decisions as an adult, you may not adopt all of them completely, but they're still kind of in there. They're kind of hardwired in there. So trying to think of what those experiences were. And then also, what were the things that weren't explicitly said, but that were modeled for you? What things did you see your mom sitting down to do bills at the end of every month and like looking really panicked and stressed, trying to figure out how to make it work? Did you see them buy things without, you know, a second thought? Did you see them, you know, buying things to keep up with, you know, status levels of neighbors or friends or other family members? Uh yeah, just what patterns did you see replicated? And I think just articulating those out loud can help highlight that like oh, these may have influenced me and may be influencing how I'm, you know, viewing money as an adult now.
0: Finances on our own can be complicated. And then if you have a partner or you're married, that can add even more complications. How can individuals approach conversations about money with their partners in a healthy and constructive way?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So going back to what we were just talking about, talking about what money was like in your household growing up, I think that's a fantastic exercise or conversation to have with your partner. And just asking them, you know, what was it like? What messages did you hear? Um, And because even if it doesn't change how you actually interact with your partner, if you just understand the perspective it makes it so much easier to um, kind of be empathetic when you see some of the patterns that they're exhibiting now as an adult you're like oh that's why you're doing that because your mom always did that your dad always did that uh, or you sometimes it's not that you're replicating what was modeled for you sometimes it's you're rebelling against what was modeled for you so if your parents were extremely frugal Maybe, as an adult, the first time you got access to your own money, you're like, "Well, I'm going to spend it because I was never allowed to, so sometimes it's you know the exact opposite. But whatever it is you're kind of reacting to, um, understanding that about your partner is incredibly helpful. The other thing with partners, I think most of the conversations that partners have in regards to money are really focused on the day-to-day minutia, and you know what did you spend money on i can't believe you spent money on that um which not to say that those aren't valid conversations to have but i think it can be much more helpful and productive to think kind of bigger picture longer term what are we building towards what is important to us. What values do we have as a family? Are there any values that are slightly different, you know, that you value this, I value that, that we need to recognize, but really just what are we building towards, um, you know, whether that's planning for a family vacation in the near future or, you know, working towards a shared long-term retirement plan, uh, whatever it is, Just getting on the same page in terms of like big picture family vision can make it a little bit easier to have positive conversations. And it's just easier to not focus on the kind of nitpicky minutiae when you're both working towards the same long-term vision.
0: I was thinking about asking that if that's okay. If you have advice for couples who may have different money values or approaches to financial management.
1: Yeah, I think I think really focusing on what is the long-term plan that you're building towards and what's most important to you as a family. Now, you're likely going to have some variation in what is most important to you, but at least if you've identified, you know, a couple of like key values, it's a little bit easier to rather than nitpicking on what your partner has spent on, you can kind of question, okay, is this adding to or taking away from this vision that we are trying to build? And people might have a different, um, you know, a different take on how things are adding to or not adding to, but it kind of takes, um, it kind of reframes the conversation in a way that. I think makes the conversation a bit more productive.
0: Speaking of values, how does someone go about figuring out what their values are and then creating financial goals that do align with their values?
1: So with my clients, I do an exercise. um, I can't remember the name of the website off the top of my head, but you can Google, you know, list of like, you know, values exercise and see a list of, you know, 50 words that are kind of common values, whether that's, security, freedom, fun, all of those types of words. Um, And I tell my clients to narrow it down to their top five. And it's not easy to do that because you feel like you're cutting some things that feel important to you. But if you can cut it down to your top five and really hone in on what's most important to you and then sit with your partner and try to identify three that are overlapped that can be kind of your you know, core family values, that can be a really helpful way to just get clear on what is most important to you. I think uh, another thing that comes up with money is not really necessarily knowing what you're supposed to spend on. So kind of looking to others for validation of what is like a normal amount. Um, I always have clients asking me, you know, how their spending compares to my other client. like, That really doesn't matter. It matters, you know, how that reflects in your life. Is it allowing you to build what's most important for your family um, or for you as an individual? For some people, you know, they like to eat gluten-free or vegan food and they like to have, you know, the highest quality groceries. And so they're going to spend a lot on groceries. And other people, it's not that important. They, They love to have that money to spend on travel or something like that. So comparing kind of anchoring based on what other people are spending is unhelpful, but it's a really common tendency. So if you get really clear with your partner that these are the three things that are most critical to building the happy life that we want, it's a lot easier to ignore the this is a normal amount to spend or these are things that are showing up on Instagram as things that I should be aspiring to. It's it's easier to focus, um, if you've actually articulated those. And then you can actually go through and look where all of your money is going and see, okay, which values are actually being served with these transactions? Um, you know, is this something sometimes it's not super clear cut, but is this, you know, serving these values in some way? Um, and which expenses are clearly not touching any of those. And, maybe maybe those need to be reevaluated
0: sometimes it can be difficult to evaluate our values when we are experiencing a lot of financial stress especially in this economy and right now it's the holiday season and i do believe that financial stress can impact mental health What strategies do you recommend for managing financial stress and promoting overall well-being?
1: That's, yeah, that's another great question. I think we tend to spend more and spend less, I don't necessarily want to say less responsibly, but like we spend on, we cope by spending a lot of times and sometimes that, additional spending can be on, like, convenience, which is buying back some time, and, like, that that can be an effective way to kind of get through a stressful period. I know for a lot of people, um, takeout bills go way up when they're experiencing a lot of stress, and if that's something that you know about yourself, and you know that relying on that is going to add value, it's going to allow you to get through that stressful, you know, you've got a lot of late nights at work or something, or it's a lot of people are sick, if you know that, you can kind of build that into your budget that you're able to accommodate with that. There's a lot of other spending that is maybe more emotionally based, that is more activated when we're stressed. So I think identifying, okay, which increases in spending are actually adding value and which are just you know, kind of a desperate attempt at a coping mechanism, you know, buying a new sweater when you're feeling stressed and just need that dopamine hit. Yes, it provides that dopamine hit, but it probably doesn't provide much beyond that, Um, you know, so that might be something to try to watch. And really, I think also understanding the flip side of like, if you are feeling financial stress, Is depleting your resources actually going to make anything better? Probably not. Are there ways that you can kind of build in buffers for yourself? Um, You know, having some sort of a cushion safety net emergency fund um, and prioritizing resources for that. All of that is easier said than done. Uh, Money is very emotional and um, it is hard to be kind of your optimal spending self when life is stressful. So I think the other side is to give yourself grace And don't get to, you know, don't beat yourself up if you feel like you've made some financial mistakes or, you know, spent money on things that you regret in a stressful period. Really the best way to kind of deal with that once it's happened, I mean, one, if it's something that's returnable, explore that. But if not, trying to recover from it quickly and not letting it spiral. Because what a lot of people do is they make one or two emotional purchases, they feel like they've gone over budget or they've spent, you know, they've started racking up credit card debt and it feels like once you've done that, what's the difference if i add another $500 or another $1000 and it's easy to just let that really spiral out of control. So, the sooner you can recognize that you're kind of in that mindset and pull yourself out and not get hung up on what's already happened and just focus on moving forward, um that kind of quicker recovery, i think is a really important place for people to focus.
0: I like that. Having a quick recovery and also just forgiving yourself if you have spiraled, you know. I think sometimes we let our fears just consume us and taking a moment to breathe and say, hey, I I did this. I can also get out of it. Sarah, I am curious if there are any common misconceptions about managing finances that you encounter and how do you address them?
1: I mean I think thinking that it is m- just math <laughs> thinking that it's like that it's um, just numbers. not yeah and I mean there is a component of it that is math but the math of, of being good at money is so much simpler than people think and it's so much more based on emotions, and I think recognizing that is really important, Um, and I think, um, yeah, yeah, I think understanding how much it is an emotional thing. Another thing, I think people often, I mean, it's similar to making New Year's resolutions. We think that, okay, starting tomorrow, starting Monday, I am going to be really good. I'm not going to spend any money that I don't need And that's a great aspiration, but when we expect to just be a different person, you know, like that's just not realistic. So I think thinking that you're gonna not have any hiccups, that there's not gonna be any unexpected expenses that pop up is just unrealistic. So I think being too aspirational with the amount of change that can happen in a short period of time is a place where I see people really struggle a lot.
0: Sarah, if there was one thing that a listener could do today to improve their finances, what would it be?
1: I am a huge fan of tracking your spending. Having a budget can be great. The way I approach budgets, I use the word spending plan because I like to think of it as being kind of more proactive planning rather than being really restrictive. That can be great, and I think for a lot of people – that's a good direction to go in. But even just tracking where your spending is going, when you can see where your money is going, it makes it so much easier to reflect on, like, does this make sense for me? Is this where, you know, I'm getting the most value for my money? Are there places I want to be able to spend more? For a, a common struggle that I see with my clients is wishing that they could pay for a house cleaner and that feeling just so beyond, like, again, People like us don't spend money on that <laughs> is a common thing that I hear. Um, and it feels like something that they can't afford. But then when we look at where their money is going, we see that there's $500 in Amazon purchases that they can't tell me what that was. <laughs> like it, there is no, like, you know, it didn't have that much value in their life or, or a ton of takeout or those are two common places that I see it, but it could be anything for any individual person. And if there is places where money is just kind of hemorrhaging out of your bank account, could you redirect that to something that would actually meaningfully impact you, for example, hiring someone to clean your house? Um, So just seeing where your money is going, I think, is really a really great first step for people.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you so much for joining me today. Could you share with listeners how they can connect with you?
1: Yes, my website is Sararoller.com, so you can come check me out there, you can follow my blog, I also have a free download for, it's called Unexpected Expenses, because um, life doesn't usually look the same month to month, and it's usually those unexpected um, expenses that pop up that really derail people, so it's kind of a guide to help you map out some of those, so hopefully you aren't as caught off guard by that.
0: Great, thank you so much, Sarah my pleasure this concludes another episode of curiosity unveiled remember to stay curious stay objective and i will see you in